1: Welcome along to the Football Digest. I'm Guy Clark. Thanks for joining us. With the new season well and truly underway, we'll be here Monday to Friday offering news, views and opinion across the Reach Sport Network, from those on our national titles to our dedicated regional club reporters and writers. With that in mind, here on Tuesdays on Football Digest, we're going to be talking all things EFL Championship, League One, League Two, the big league on the big platform as we delve into the week's key talking points over the next half hour or so. So, here with me for our first EFL podcast, we have Birmingham Live's West Brom man, Joe Chapman, and video and podcast man with Mirror Football, Connor Bromley. Two wins from two, Connor. Is it time yet to sort of think that perhaps long-suffering for Sunderland in League One could be coming to an end?
0: Uh, No, no, it's not time yet. Definitely not. This is the fourth season in here, relegated from the Premier League in 2017, so... It's been, a, it's been a long process. I'm hoping that this year there seems to be less hype around Sunderland for whatever reason compared to previous seasons, that that has allowed us to kind of not have the pressure as much as the Ipswich town who have had a really bad start, but everyone was tipping to get promoted. Uh, Wigan as well were a team that people are looking at. Obviously, they've signed some Sunderland players who couldn't get us promoted and everyone was thinking that they might go up this year. And It doesn't look like, well, Wigan possibly could, but it doesn't look like they've had as good of a start. As Sunderland. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling cautiously optimistic. That would be the word I'd use. Cautious optimism is needed for Sunderland fans.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. I'm at the DW later, actually, for their game with Wigan, But we're going to be talking sort of all things from the weekend primarily. And we're going to start off with the championship. And Joe mentioned, obviously, you're the man on the ground when it comes to all things baggies and at the Hawthorns. You were there for the game with Luton at the weekend. What are the early thoughts on... How West Brom are re to life back in the Championship and under the the uh, sort of stewardship of Valeri and Ishmael?
2: I think it's going to be very exciting. If it, if the first two games are anything to go by, I, I thought it was a very good point that they earned down at Bournemouth, and it gave us a real taste of what to expect from this Ishmael team. I think Barnsley fans would certainly be well versed in in uh, in, the, in the kind of way that he likes to set his teams up. A lot of. Um effort is required. Uh, he, he demands a very, very intense work rate from everybody on the pitch. And he's he's carried over this this 3-4-3 formation that he adopted at, at Barnes as well. And he's he's applied it to West Brom. So uh it's been very, very interesting. I think the players themselves are still feeling their way into it a little bit because defensively they've they've dropped a couple of clangers in the early stage of the season, but they've shown that they can score goals as well. And four points from the first two games isn't a bad return, really, against two sides who uh in, in different parts of the uh, the league table last season had good good campaigns and Luton are a decent team at this level now so uh, i think you know to start off like that the way they did um is very very positive and they got a very very big game on wednesday night
1: Yeah, definitely four points from two, as good as anyone else in the division. Uh, Connor, I suppose it sort of shows the competitiveness competitiveness of the championship. That only two games into the campaign and no one is on maximum points. That just showing sort of how competitive, how tight it could be this year. Last year it felt the three sides coming down were definitely going to be sort of there or thereabouts, and that. That's really how it played out but this year West Brom and Fulham probably the two fancied of those coming down but elsewhere there are a number of teams who will probably be looking at it thinking they can have a real go this year.
0: Yeah I think especially with the way Covid was and that's kind of meant that teams have been maybe sticking with their players a little bit more there's a bit more consistency I think in the Championship now and it's a it's a strong league from top to bottom opening day of the season. I watched the Coventry game against Nottingham Forest and Coventry looks strong. And I was like, God, they've got, you know, Martin Wikehold in there. you like, he's a, a proven player at the championship, you know, and, and they're a team you'd expect to be towards the bottom end of the league, but you actually look at Coventry squad and the way they played against Nottingham Forest, you're going, could they be a potential team that breaks into maybe the top 10? There's so many teams in the championship this year that, you really kind of call it, and I know they say it's it's you know one of the most entertaining, but it's it's probably the most competitive league in the world. You know, Fulham top of the league at the minute. But you're telling me if they played against Preston, you know tonight, Preston wouldn't get a win. You wouldn't bet against it. And it it's such a bonkers league, and I feel a bit sorry for Joe covering it every week because there's no way you can have a feel in the Championship going into it that today should be a pretty relaxed afternoon. And I think the Championship's the one league in the country where that's the case. Because if you look at, you know, League One, League Two, there are clear disparities between the top end and the bottom end The championship, literally, there is no real difference. Look at the end of last season. You know, I, I was watching Rotherham, you know, and I was thinking, oh, you know, they they just continually kept picking up points until the end of the season. You look at them on paper, you're like, well, they don't look great, but you've watched the way the championship is and how competitive and anyone could beat anyone. It is... It's a thrilling league to watch and seeing the results come through on a Saturday afternoon, you just have no idea, you know, where it's going to go. I mean, whole a case in point, you know, they win last weekend, I think 4-1 at Preston. This weekend they lose 3-0, they only cute to are There's just no call in that division, you know, the games are just absolutely meant.
1: That is the thing, isn't it, Joe? You've obviously sampled Premier League and Championship football championship football over the last sort of few seasons covering West Bromwich Albion and the fact that I suppose when they're in the Premier League it's that need for a real low defensive block and the game very very tactical and you make one error and it's costly in the championship it's kind of hell for leather even if you're playing a side sitting bottom of the league as Connor was saying both sides sort of just feel within games there are passages and moments and times where they are on top.
2: Yeah there's definitely a a hierarchy in the Premier League there's a kind of a, an order really that you're, you're a part of as a as a newly promoted team so when you do go up there and you do get a result uh, against a Chelsea or a Man United as West Brom did actually last season it, you you know you have to have earned it very very well and had to have been on it defensively for 90 minutes where uh, as kind of was saying go back to last season and use Rotherham as the example but Wickham as well for the last 10-15 games of the season I mean Nobody gave them a chance, and then they just started picking up wins and and kept things alive and kept things exciting right up until the very end of the season. This season, it is it's absolutely mad. You, you get asked at the start of every season um, what you're going to what you're going to predict in terms of who's going to go up, who's going to go down, and really to pluck three names out of the air to go down is is pretty difficult. I mean, I know Derby are in a, a pretty bad way off the field, but really. Barnsley and Luton in recent years, who you would expect to be down there, have both had very good seasons. I mean, teams like Hull have got decent Championship experience in the last few years. The teams that have come up, okay, maybe Peter and, Peterborough and Blackpool, you'd expect to maybe be down there. But then, you know, Peterborough are off the mark as well. They're just like Hull, so it's it's absolutely mad from one week to the next. And you'd be you'd be pretty foolish to kind of go into any weekend predicting that West Brom are going to win a game because they're playing such and such. You know they've got they've got Sheffield United on Wednesday, uh, they've got to get go a Blackburn and then they've got to get go a Peterborough all within the space of the next ten or eleven days. So, you know they could take one point, they could take nine. It, it, you just don't have a clue, and that's the other thing about it as well is that once this league starts, it just doesn't stop. So they're kind of playing Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, pretty much throughout August.
1: Yeah, mentioned that obviously no one's got more than four points in the Championship, Connor. You look at that table, 10, 10 teams sitting on four points. It's just sort of showing what is going to come over sort of the next nine months of Championship football. But who are we kind of outlining as, I suppose, the, the contenders this year, whether it be for automatic promotion or even firmly in that, that playoff picture? I suppose Fulham and West Brom, certainly Sheffield United are yet to get a win since coming down. But for me, I look at Bournemouth have kept together a lot of their good players, but teams such as Stoke City, I think under Michael O'Neill, he's got things settled there and been really impressed early on with Queen's Park Rangers.
0: Yeah, I think QPR seemed to be a, a one that I was watching Quest on Saturday night and they were picking out QPR, I think maybe because Ian Holloway was on there, like, but they were talking about QPR and thinking that they might be a pretty strong team this season. But to be honest, the team I look at is Cardiff City, you know, Mick McCarthy there, Proven as a Sunderland fan, I'm well aware of what a Mick McCarthy team is. It's hard work and it's very much fight to the death. You know, they wear the heart on the sleeve and they're typical of the man. They're just a, a strong team that you know might not win every game, but they'll certainly be in every game. And I think Cardiff are going to be probably there or thereabouts come the end of the season. But then there's a few other teams. You know, I think Dark Horse shouts in there. You know, Luton Town. You know, they had a great opening day win. Obviously, Joel and no, all they went to West Brom and they were poor probably for the first hour of the game, but they certainly showed the last half an hour what they were capable of. And you look at them and you go, well, could they be, you know, when they came out of League One under um, a couple of years ago, nobody thought they were going to come out of League One and they stormed that league, kind of just being constantly the team that everyone's like, oh, Luton will fall off, Luton will fall off, and they didn't. Could this year Luton be a sneak to get in the playoffs like what Barnsley were last year? I wouldn't necessarily rule against that. But certainly in terms of, you know, my kind of not obvious picks, QPR Cardiff and the real dark horse for me is Luton Town.
1: Yeah, interesting to see how it goes. Joe, I'm sure through the course of the season, we'll have you on plenty to talk about West Bromwich Albion. But the appointment of Valerian Ishmael in the summer, he's done such a fantastic job with Barnsley. What's the feeling been from sort of the fan base towards that that playing style is very direct, very high energy. It sort of, to me, seems to be something that, that West Brom fans will very much get on board with.
2: Yeah, I think most fans would, to be honest, if if you were a manager that adopts that kind of philosophy and takes it into a new football club. I think it, you can't fail to be entertained and excited by the way that the teams play. I mean, from the first 10, 15 minutes, Luton, and I take Connor's point, they are a very decent team at this level nowadays, but... They just couldn't live with with Albion's, uh, you know, front three, the wing backs, uh, Livermore and Moet in midfield, were just winning the ball, kind of on the edge of Luton's penalty area constantly. The ball just kept coming back, uh, and they just they, they were absolutely suffocating them. the The big challenge, of course, there is that can they do that for ninety minutes over the course of forty six matches? That will be a, a real test. But uh, what we've seen so far, certainly, I think the fans are very much on board the way mark conducts himself. He, He's a very very cool guy. You know, he's somebody who um, his English is perfect. You know, he's really really interesting to speak to so far uh, on the on the occasions that I've, I've had a chat with him. So he's got a very very clear idea of what he wants. He he's very relaxed about things like the transfer window. You know, we're managers at this moment in time. would normally get really uh, it would become very frantic, I suppose, in terms of people's business and where plans for the for the window. He's very, very laid back. He, he's very open to the idea of integrating the younger players in the into the squad that uh, the academy are producing. So he, he just seems to have his head screwed on. Really, he understands the league. He understands what it takes to, to win matches in this league, as we as we know about from last season. So he's made a big, big impact so far. Really, doors, and I think it's a case now that can we can we continue in this vein? Because it's only two games, but. If they can go in, uh, and, and bloody a few more noses, then, you know, he's he, he certainly getting on board. There are kind of Slav and Bilic kind of comparisons in, in the way that he the way that he is as a man, the way that he is as a manager on the touchline. Uh, and, and Bilic went down a treat at the Hawthorns. So I think if Ishmael's in that kind of, in the same kind of light, if, if he's considered uh, in that same way by the fan base, then I think he'll be a hit.
1: You mentioned it laid back in terms of the transfer market, two weeks to go till deadline day. Are we expecting a trolley dash at the Hawthorns or is it gonna be, I suppose, methodical and if targets arise then they'll go for them because saw so so much last year with his Barnsley team, he maximized sort of that, that Ability to have five substitutes and that forward line was ever changing. Callum Robinson's got a couple in, in two games now. Carlin Grant off the mark. I think that that may be big for him after sort of suffering towards the, the end of the, the Premier League campaign. But is there enough depth there, maybe at the top end of the pitch or, or even elsewhere in the team at the moment?
2: Yeah, that's certainly something I was going to say about it, is whether they can keep this going. They're going to need an element of depth. You can't just rely on the younger players. Uh, totally, and it is a pretty small squad at the moment. They've they brought Adam Reach in, so he's somebody that w- will be uh, involved, I'm sure, in the, in the coming weeks. Uh, and Robert Snodgrass is, is is coming back from injury as well. So there are players, senior players at the club that will help flesh the squad out when they're when they're back and and fully fit and up and running. But certainly, yeah, they they need uh, they need probably a couple more players. I think on top of that, they certainly need another centre forward. And I know no Daryl DK, who was such a hit at Barnsley last season, is somebody that. That uh, they're they're very much interested in bringing that Ishmael's very much interested in bringing back to England, so that would be one to watch for me. I think a striker certainly, uh, because if anything was to happened to Robinson, they've obviously released Robson Canu, um they've released Charlie Austin, and they've they've lost them by Deang at the end of last season. So they're pretty thin on the ground in terms of strikers, and of course, Callum Robinson is somebody who would otherwise quite like to play in the Carlin Grant Grady Inghana role, you know, offer a forward rather than be in the number nine. So. Certainly there, I do fear that Jake Livermore and Alex Moe over the course of the season are going to pick up a few yellow cards. They've got three between them already in the first two games and the way they play, it, it kind of lends its, itself to, to fouls here and there. So I think after that, and, and we'll, we'll have to see what the, the future holds for Remain Soys because he might be somebody that leaves the club. So after that, they, they're going to need some, some midfield cover as well. I think defensively, they're pretty well stocked. I would expect at this moment in time, Sam Johnson to stay at the club. Uh, So I think across the board, really, they're they're fairly healthy and they've got those players off the bench like Reach, uh, like Matt Phillips, like, um, like Snodgrass who can come into the team. But I think certainly a couple of players, I'm sure Ishmael, as cool and relaxed as he is when he's asked about the topic, would certainly like a couple more.
1: Yeah, strap yourself in, Joe. I'm sure it's going to be a roller coaster at the Hawthorns, or if it does, all come to plan like a rocket, maybe, and just flying up towards the Premier League. Let's move into League One, Connor. Your time to shine. Sunderland, two wins from two. Uh, it must be absolutely buzzing with that. Yeah,
0: I think so. There was there was a lot of negativity around the club in the summer. If I'll, be, I'll be honest. Um, you know, we, we all saw the Netflix documentaries, I'm sure. And on there you saw the kind of the calamity that was behind the scenes at the club. And, you know, we've only just had our ownership issues sorted out um, at the start of this year. So I think this is the first summer for them to come in and and really put their sort of stamp, their footprint on the club. And you can kind of see in their recruitment they're doing things a little bit differently. I think if you look at what Ipswich have done this summer um, and Wigan to an extent, I mentioned them too earlier and I'll I'll probably keep referencing them, but they have went with what Sunderland's transfer approach has been in the previous years in League One. They've went for players that have got kind of experience at this level, um, are probably more trusted um, you know, look at, say, Charlie Wyke, who scored 30-odd goals last season. Logically, on paper, that looks like a good signing for Wigan, but actually, if you delve a little bit deeper, Wyke was pretty much the the winner of Sunderland's um, system last season. I don't know if he'd necessarily replicate that. And I think the recruitment from the top end of League One is kind of always consistent, but Sunderland have, have went a different approach. It very much went for young players. Um, they've, they've went to integrate a lot of the academy players. Um, you know, people know how good the Academy of Light is and how many good players have came out there over the years and suddenly they're finally looking like they're gonna utilize a lot of them young players that are coming through. Dan Neal, you know, I think he's only nineteen years old. He's played Uh, Every game so far this season has looked very, very good, even plunged in at left-back on the opening day against Wigan, which is marvellous for a player who's actually normally a bit of an attacking midfielder. Elliot Embleton's a player that, you know, anyone who watches the EFL will know from his time at Grimsby. Last year also he was at Blackpool, helped them get promoted, but he's now an integral part of the team after being at Sunderland for years, people waiting for him to break through, but it looks like he's finally going to do that now. Then in terms of business, they brought in a few loan signings, um Doyles came in from Manchester City who looks like a very very good player I think he's only 17 18 next month and they've also brought in Dennis uh Dennis Churkin I think he's I can't kind of pronounce it yet need to wait for a commentator to say his name before I can um, know that one but he's came in from Tottenham and he's a highly revered player Jose Mourinho talked very very well about him and they've also brought in Nathan Broadhead from Everton um, and he was on the bench for them at the weekend so he's came in on loan. So I think Sunderland have went with kind of under the radar transfer approaches. year. they haven't necessarily went for, you know, I saw Tom Carroll went to Ipswich, and he's a player that fans know because he's played for Tottenham, you know, in the Premier League. Sunderland haven't went that way this year. They've went for much more. Uh, less unknown signers but signers that probably fit the way they're playing rather than bringing in players and hoping that they're going to fit into a system so I think it's looking good for Sunderland but I, again it's cautious optimism Lee Johnson's got a terrible record when it comes to inconsistencies very much a win 10 lose 8 kind of manager you know and that's the Murray for me because at the end of last season Sunderland did drop off they did look like she for automatic promotion and they came right away at the end of the season you just got to hope it doesn't happen this year. And that's the only concern really I have with, with Sunderland this season is just that Lee Johnson streakiness that has haunted him for his whole managerial career.
1: Yeah, interesting to see how, how it does sort of play out at the stadium of like this, this season. But Joe, when I look at the League One table, it astonishes me. There's seven former Premier League sides. And to, to me, it doesn't seem that long ago that a number of them were in the Premier League. Yet you kind of see the sides that you would kind of be expecting to be up there that the four point the four sides to take maximum points. Wickham, of course, relegated last year and Gareth Ainsworth continues to do a brilliant job there. Portsmouth have started very well under the Cowleys, Sunderland, as Connor was mentioned. And Burton Albion, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank, finished the season very well with them. It looked as though they were nailed on for, for relegation midway point of last season, but they've they've turned it around. But I think along with, with Sunderland, Portsmouth really starting fast are going to be one of the teams to to watch this season.
2: Yeah, I just generally speaking about League One, I really, really enjoyed from afar. I really enjoyed the promotion race last season because there was seven, eight, nine teams that could have gone up uh, in the top two spots um, over a large period of the of the season. So I would imagine I would anticipate it'd be very, very similar this season. I mean, I look through, you know, you got you can't rule out a team like Lincoln again. Uh, Michael Appleton did a smashing job there. We haven't even mentioned them yet. The, League One seems to be the kind of place where if. If you've, been, if you've done well in League Two, you can kind of carry that form through. We've seen that so many times where, where teams can go up and, and kind of have a double promotion. So, you know, I watched Cheltenham Town very closely because there was a couple of West Brom lads there last season and I know they've had a pretty tricky start to the season, but um, again, you know, a Bolton being another team as well, you kind of look at those those clubs and think if they finished halfway up or, or higher, it wouldn't really surprise you. It's that kind of league. Uh, I think Portsmouth um, in Danny Cowley, uh I've got to be considered I know they've fallen a little bit like Sunderland in the last couple of years they've fallen short of where they probably ought to have been and there's enormous pressure on Ipswich because uh, as as Connor touched on earlier the, the signs they've made uh, a couple of again a couple of West Brom lads that are down there that I expected to get championship moves much like Tom Carroll as well actually and, and one or two others have, have dropped down to League One because They've, they've obviously they've, they've got big big plans and they've, they've spent big money and uh, they've signed a lot of players as well which I think can be a, a little bit of a risk in terms of you know that that sizable overhaul of the entire squad but Paul Cook's a very very good manager at that level um, and and Rotherham as well another team Paul Warren they they, they seem to bounce between the two divisions so again the top of league one I would expect them to be up there and, and Wickham as well really so it is you kind of we've just reeled off 10 10-11 teams that's half the division but if if come December, January time, they're all in the mix and have all still got a chance at the top two, it wouldn't surprise me the slightest because that just is the kind of league it is.
1: No, it does feel, as you were alluding to there, so it's kind of becoming a mini-championship of sorts, maybe not the finances and desperation to get that promotion as much as some of those sides in the championship to reach the Premier League, but probably is about 10, 11 teams who, if they're in and around the playoffs at the end of the season, you wouldn't be surprised at all. And Some of those, if they aren't, you would be very surprised. But of course, there are only the, the six spots for the automatic promotion and the playoffs as well. One of the things that fascinates me as well, Connor, about League One is, the young players you see go out on loan there and flourish. Brennan Johnson and Morgan Rogers at Lincoln were two last season who really did sort of kick on during their stay at Sinsel Bank. And I suppose you mentioned him before, but Callum Doyle at, at Sunderland, left-footed centre-half on loan from Manchester City, looks as though he could be one of those this year to really sort of shine out of this division.
0: Yeah, I think League One is an ideal league to send your players in because you it's kind of the top end of the rough and tumble of football. There are elements that you can link to League One to non-league football still. You know, there's some teams that have, you know, that, I mean, Wickham got promoted with that very aggressive, very, um, well, I mean, some people call it anti-football, but that time wasting, you know, really, really getting under people's skin. Wickham got promoted on that and that's quite a non-league style. I think League One is such a good league because you do have teams that play football. You know, Sunderland play generally football since they've been in this division. Portsmouth are a good footballing team. Rotherham, you know, they're a very good football and signed it up all one. So you have a clash of styles that means the top end of the league generally has decent footballing teams with the occasional one that might, you know, be playing that more rough and tumble style. But then the bottom of the league is very much you know, cutthroat football, wins by any means possible. So it's a great league to send your players on loan because they're getting, you know, every element of football, the physicality of it, but also the technical side still there because there are very good players in this league. You've got a nice balance and there's big clubs in there. You know, if you send a player to, you know, one of the bigger teams in this league, a Sunderland or a Sheffield Wednesday, they are playing at Premier League clubs. They've got Premier League expectations. They've got Premier League training facilities that's a great place for them to learn. So it's no surprise to me when I see the big clubs send their players down to this division. And to be honest, I think I'm surprised there isn't more players that come down because if I was a one of the big clubs at the top of the Premier League, I would be saying to Sunderland, is there any players you'd want? Because it's a, it's a perfect environment to play in because they're getting that pressure that not a lot of football clubs have. When you look at Sunderland, Sheffield Wednesday, Portsmouth and maybe Ipswich as well, them four teams that... They're very, very big clubs that shouldn't be at that level. And they're also, especially in Sunderland's case and Portsmouth's case, one-city clubs. That's the same pressure environment on a lesser scale, but the same pressure environment as you have at the big clubs in the country. So it's no surprise that lone players do flourish at this level, but I, I think it's surprising to me that more players don't actually come down here.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. Right. We're fast running out of time. So I'm going to link League One and League Two together in one manager. Joe said before, Connor, that you can see sides bounce out of one league and do well in the next. Morecambe have started very well given their budget and first ever season in the third tier after their promotion. But their promotion winning manager, Derek Adams, left. He went off to Bradford City, who got their first win under him. Talk about sort of one city clubs and the power of a, a fan base. They had over 17,000 at their game for the weekend. They're going to be considered, surely, to, to be right up there after a couple of seasons of struggling.
0: Yeah, I know Phil Parkinson quite well from his time at Sunderland and he always talked glowingly about Bradford, always talked about how big of a football club it was and how it's somehow just spent kind of its, since they were in the Premier League 20 plus years ago, they've spent their existence basically floating at the bottom end of the Football League and it's nice to see now, I watched it the week, we scored a ninety eighth minute winner, nice to see that hopefully they can start pushing forward and we all remember that League Cup run and everyone kind of got a little bit of, I call it Bradford fever, but we did. We were egging them on as couldn't country, seeing, you know, they think they would beat Aston Villa, they beat Arsenal, they lost the final against Swansea. But we all were egging them on and we all kind of um, got a little bit of that, that spirit in us. I think the whole country, bearing in mind they were a League 2 team at the time, were behind Bradford on that push. And we even saw them beat Chelsea in the FA Cup a few years ago as well. So they're a team that's kind of always been on the radar, despite the fact they've been generally in League 2 and League 1. You just hope that this season's the year where the, you know, the turnaround, the get into League One and, and push further than that. Because to be honest, in terms of the crowd, I don't know if anyone, if either of you have been to Bradford, but it's a really good stadium as well. You'd hope that they would be able to push into the championship because they, they probably are a, a championship club. They're, they're similar size to a Barnsley. You'd hope they'd be kind of at that end of the Football League and not where they are now, which is kind of languishing in, in League Two.
1: Also, hats off to to Mansfield as well, I think. Maximum points for them for their opening two league games. Actually saw their Carabao Cup first round tie against Preston North End and gave them a good game for an hour or 65 minutes or so. But anyway, that's all we've time for here on this edition of our EFL show here on the Football Digest. My thanks goes to Conor Bromley and Joe Chapman for their time and company, as well as you for listening in. Do make sure that you join us next Tuesday. We will be a weekly fixture here on Football Digest, but until next time, It's five for now.